Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Crunch Time. The Zito Power Tools. German-designed quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. The round 21 edition of Crunch Time. The Western Bulldogs 55-point winners over Richmond tonight. Both games are so key. Geelong and Port Adelaide, the Giants and Sydney. And then tomorrow, St Kilda and Carlton play such a big shaping role Great in game. this season. Jared Waitley, Sam Edmund, Dermot Barrett and Mark McClure. It's been one of the bigger footy news weeks of the year for Repco Authorised Service. For expert car service you can rely on, book online at repcoservice.com. It's the most exotic thing the Gold Coast Suns have ever done. It's the most ambitious thing they've done since they <laughs> courted Gary Ablett in that dodgy hotel room all those years ago. <laughs> they've got the Cinque Terre love to it. romance Damien Hardwick. Oh, I love it. And I think it's did. my favourite story of the year. Well, there's nothing. Uh, a, it's an exotic location. B, uh, it's, you know, in coaching terms, and it's an exotic target, a triple premiership coach that they're trying to woo, and they're doing it on the Italian Riviera. So, first of all, with them, they had to go. They just had to go there. For those wondering why Bob East, the chairman, and Mark Evans, the CEO, had to go there, you're not going to sign a guy to a five-year contract over Zoom or on a WhatsApp chat. You have to get in front of him. So, they had preliminary conversations remotely. And Dimmer said all the right things, but you've got to go there and you've got to look the guy in the eye. The guy who said, oh, I was burnt out, I'm fatigued, all the things that Sellers touched on earlier. You have to look him in the eye to make sure that what he's saying marries up with what you're seeing. So Mark and Bob did that. They had a formal meeting in Cinque Terre. Then they followed up with a more casual dinner. I just couldn't <laughs> find what they ate, Jared. I know that's... that's so yeah, well, I want the, on the restaurant ground. location. Uh, I know. I was told... That, Nothing too exotic, but they're all exotic over there, aren't yeah. they? So they went out for, for a meal afterwards. Um, they were there Monday. They got back yesterday, the Gold Coast um, um, party, travelling party. My information is the board gave them a set of criteria to work with in and around their conversation with Damien Harwick, and what they saw was what they hoped they would see. That is that he's hungry. He's ready to go again. So now goes back to the Gold Coast board to what I would contend sort out the formalities. So these are the finer details of what will be a five-year contract with uh, with the board in conjunction with his manager, Paul Connors. But all the right things were said. All the right impressions were given. It's a fate of complete that he's going to be the coach of the did, Gold Coast Suns. Did, this tells me a lot about, did they get per diems? <laughs> Surely. You need you need to claim these on expenses as well, though. I think Bob Good might have the trip. <laughs> I so, think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think they just had to go there. I mean, you can imagine if you if you played out the other way and people say, why do they have to go there? And and they appoint him. And for whatever reason, we obviously hope this doesn't happen, that it does Malcolm go south. Malcolm Blight, St. Kilda. Or that, yeah, the hunger's yeah, not there. And then they find out, oh, you, you didn't go and meet him in person. You signed him remotely? What are you you doing so they had to go they did what they had to do the preliminary discussions were frank by what they saw in person which was meaningful and real and now i think uh, it goes to the pointy end of it all are they still there no they're back oh yeah well, well, wouldn't they have a holiday <laughs> <laughs> all business their, their, their just, job's done that's just for gill 
McGill is that guy right up. He looks like he'd go to Cinque Terre. Yeah, he, I think he's been there before. Beautiful flowing hair. And there there we go. So do you think they <laughs> could, could it be announced before the end of the home and away or straight after? I think it's possible. Yeah, I think all things possible. I don't think he's due back in the country until the end of the month, Damien Harvey, maybe even the first week of September. But I think these things can move pretty quickly. He's clearly their guy. Some have yeah. contended all the way through. He's always been their guy. They weren't. We know they weren't speaking to anyone else, Gold Coast. This was plan A, B and C. But it looks as though they've got their man anyway. So, Joe, back to your statement, leaving a man fighting for the position you've already allocated somewhere else, do you think they should name him before – if he says yes, an unequivocal yes, should they name him before the season's done? Um, Is that disrespectful? To no, it's not because they've said – and Stephen was really clear with us on 360 as he was told, you're coaching to the end of the home and away. There's no smoke or mirrors about that. He's not in contention for the job. Uh, and he's doing a really good job with mm, the parameters yep. that he was given. So no, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's um, an obstacle there. You know, it'll be years before we know the story in full. But was this hatched over the summer? Hardwick comes into the year a bit of a luck tester with Richmond, but he knows that there's the, the the shoot out. He just has to pull the lever at some point to give himself enough time to freshen up and be ready to be in a job in September again. So that timeline makes sense about when he left Richmond. He realised they weren't winning the flag by his own words. He was really careful with what he said. He didn't actually speak about being burnt out per se. He just spoke about and he couldn't coach Richmond anymore. He couldn't work out how to cook the sausages anymore and he needed a break. And he's given himself a long period of time to have a break and be in a job. But yeah, as I think I'll always believe that this was hatched at some stage over the summer, and there was just enough of a wink and a nod to know that this this trip was well worthwhile at this moment. I love canvassing your opinions because they differ <laughs> to some others. Um, would you if put put a Richmond hat on and be a Richmond supporter? How would you? If you were a Richmond supporter, sit with that. If that it was as you said, yeah, I'd be okay with it. If I was a Richmond supporter, I'd be. If I was the Richmond chief executive, I would have misgivings about not knowing exactly what was going on, and some of the strategic decisions that were made might have been a little bit different if you'd known that this was going to be the end, or if there was a real chance that this was going to be the end. I think I would have. I'd be second guessing myself and second guessing a bit of the circumstance on that front. Do you feel you you, you might have had somebody? Come under your guard a little. I just think that if you made your all, if you were all in on making making the calculated decision, let's see if we can win it again this year. If you knew there was a chance that the coach was going to be gone by the middle of the year, I don't think you would have done that coming in. I would say, given that again, if you thought the coach was a chance to go mid-year, you'd be all out at the end of last year. Yeah, 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 and that might it. The, the Taranto and Hopper decisions are in an interesting light, not to say mm. that you wouldn't do them, but, um, yeah, I, I think that that's the part that I think is difficult. I reckon it's reasonable to think that as soon as Tony Cochran wasn't going to be the chairman of the Suns anymore, that Bob East didn't believe in Stuart Dew. He sort of said that as much. So that that's before the season started. That becomes clear and... Yeah, so I think we'll we might never get the answers, or we might get them twenty years down the track as to mm. what was the key meeting, and was it in February, for instance? Was there just enough of a hint to go, okay, we we should absolutely think this so through? You, and you and I have so, talked about this, but I think we've said it on there. You believe that when Stewie uh, took the uh, sons to Darwin for the back to back up there, 
had they lost there, had they gone four and eight, they would have sacked him then on the spot. Yeah, mm. and then they had to find the soft point in the fixture where they were going to be losing, which was the back-to-back games Collingwood and Port Adelaide to to have the seat vacant because you yep. can't go to Damien Hardwick with somebody in the seat. The seat had to be vacant to be able to go and mount your mount it publicly and and to do it, which is more a PR aspect of the of the unfolding of the show. Yeah, I think there's a, also a level of decency that. Um, for whatever indications they might have been able to get from Hardwick in the lead-up, is the job had to be vacant for him to seriously um, be courted. Mm. And that was true whether they ended up going for Ken Hinckley or Chris Scott. Is you, you, can't be, uh, you can't be plotting to take a job that's already held. Yep. So the, the, the Suns had to blast the position open in, in July, and I think they would have done it a little bit before had results not fallen in their favour. Mm. And we had the rather... It wasn't a coincidence that this week the Suns and the Tigers' seasons were still alive, but both coaching positions were vacant. Yeah, yes, That's not yeah. an accident. Yeah. <laughs> like there's been a little bit of strategy yeah. around that happening, but it will be um, it, it will be a great appointment. It'll be the the most significant moment the Suns have had since Gary yeah. Ablett went there, and it it you know if if he's able to reconjure the magic, is this is the exact right time to get this job. It seems like an appointment like that would take them from the sixth page in on the back of the Queensland newspapers to a more prominent position straight away. Yeah. 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 Nice and Dormer, I think it might have been, the it's restaurant over there. Supposedly the most Instagrammable restaurant. Isn't that a in, song? In it's a song. It is a song. <laughs> it's, a song. <laughs> it's named after the song. Uh, right on the cliff, amazing views over that beautiful... Um, What's that, Puccini? What's that program that was on when they had this... That the girl in it, and they were all working around. It was, I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> Your story, Silas. I know, I can't a, a remember. A little bit more detail in behind that. <laughs> no, I just feel like we haven't quite got enough clues there to be able to answer that. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember. I, I, ho- I hope they've it. got a photo in the restaurant. Yeah. That's all I hope a for. Better for the long time. I'll send you out for an HIA in a second. I think Silas. I need one. Yeah, I do. Hey, I tell me, how did Took Miller end up getting suspended? <laughs> That is a very good question, and I'm not sure Gold Coast could even tell you the answer to that, but the way it played out uh, timeline-wise was obviously the complaint was made on field by Dane Zorka at the time because the, the effects mics picked that up. Now, in the aftermath of that, the medical report was clear. There was no formal complaint by the player in Dane Zorko or the club, the Brisbane Lions. So I went through the MRO process, but as I said, given the medical was report viewed, was clear, uh, was viewed, within, was looked at within, by Michael Christian. Yep. Within the hour? And let go. That all changed on Monday on SEN Queensland when Dane Zorko went on and obviously spilled his guts about how he felt. That led to the integrity unit of the AFL, the integrity unit, contacting the Gold Coast Suns to say, we want to sit down and have an interview with um, with your co-captain, um, Took Miller. So he, he wasn't interviewed once, Took Miller. He was actually interviewed twice by the integrity department, who obviously sat down and interviewed Dane Zorko multiple times as well. It was very much a he said, she said situation, though, because all the way through, Took protested his innocence in the sense that he didn't mean to deliberately grab uh, Dane Zorko on that part of the body, certainly didn't mean to, to injure him, and he was consistent with that all the way through. Then another medical report was filed, which actually when it was filed away, actually did show some damage, some bruising, some soreness in the area. 
But again, he maintained his innocence. Dane Zorko said otherwise. In the end, the AFL sided with uh, the complainant, Dane Zorko, um, and they charged Took Miller uh, for conduct unbecoming. So mm. conduct unbecoming is uh, sort of – that's Bailey Smith for, for the drug suspension. That's Jordan Degoe fighting in New York. Normally serious off-field matters rather than an, an on-field case that probably should have been dealt with by the MRO first and foremost. So when it came through on the Thursday night, conduct unbecoming one match, look, the Gold Coast – would have loved to have appealed, but A, it was just so late in the week. It had been a full five days. Secondly, the the appeals process is a lot more complicated than what it is under the MRO format, which, as we know, is MRO, Tribunal, Appeals Board. This was far more complicating and, and far more legal-minded were they to go down that path with no time. So they thought, given a lack of options, they'd accept the one-week suspension just to take the heat out of it because it had been a narrative that had been going on for four or five days take their medicine. They weren't happy with it. You saw the statement from Gold Coast saying that Took Miller's reputation has been tarnished, which I think is a fair a fair assessment to make. And that's where it sits at the moment. He won't be playing this week. And in, in what, you know, mathematically, they can still play yeah, finals, yeah. Gold Coast. There's so much wrong with this in yeah, the process. Yeah, there's something wrong here. So the, the double jeopardy aspects, I actually think is appalling. The second medical report, so that's getting tried for the same crime twice. Um. Conduct unbecoming really doesn't have any business in this in this theatre. It's you rightly point out how that is used. Is this what should have happened? Is it should have been referred directly to the tribunal as a starting point, yep. and then the case heard. So both players invited to give their evidence. Two former players and a lawyer sit in judgment on it and decide what it was. Was it careless? Was it intentional? Was it accidental? That's the theatre where this belonged. And I actually think this sets a really dangerous precedent. Mm, correct. Mm. Yeah, I, it, the result is what we know now, but that result has been reached be, at the instigation of a public um, a public diatribe on air in a social aspect. So I think that is a slippery slope if you allow yourself to end up at su- uh, suspensions after somebody's spoken on radio, TV, on one of the <laughs> mediums. It, it's it's following that player's call, yet when players who might be benefiting a person who's been suspended make that call, uh, I didn't get hit during the week, I can't understand why players such and such got suspended, a suspension for that. They don't follow that. I've got so a question. Why for, would you follow yeah, this? I've got a question for you two, sellers as well. So, the, yep. the, and I've got to be careful here because at the end of the day, Dane Zorko is the victim. So this is not victim blaming by any stretch. But in today's day and age, I think the does the player code still exist? So even if you felt, and there's clearly no love lost between these two, but clearly Took Miller wouldn't be suspended had Dane Zorko not said what he said publicly. Can I actually? Is Dane, that right? Dane I'm not saying that's wrong. Every incident that happens in Queensland. He's in a lot of things up there that get he gets caught up in. Why? Unfortunately, Dane's at the centre of a lot of these. It's actually what I'm saying. I'm, yeah. it, I, it, this is exactly what it's about. And yes, the players' code does exist. Just wa- does. a watered down version of it, perhaps. Not as strong as it used to be. Yep. I mean, blokes used to just yeah. blatantly lie. Yes. In yeah. in in reference to the players' code, they don't blatantly well, lie. Sometimes anymore. they didn't have footage. Yeah, very true. <laughs> yeah. When there's no footage, there's no yeah. no deal. Mm. But the players' code does exist still. 
But if, yeah. he, if he hadn't, and again, he's the victim here, and he, he feels like he's been um, targeted deliberately. So that I, I park that and I acknowledge that. But if he wasn't as colourful with his choice of language on Monday, then there's no way it gets to this. Would that choice of language been have been as comfortable, colourful, if Brisbane had a one? I think so. Yeah, because I think these two go way back. Mm. Mm. I, yeah, I'm not so sure. Well. I don't mm. think that they'd be talking too much to both of them, but uh, no. let me tell you, Zane's in a lot of things. He's it'll, got himself up to the back of his back of his neck with everything. It'll uh, add some spice to next year's Q, Q clash <laughs> oh. with Damien Hardwick's coaching the Suns. No doubt. A bit of steel cage action maybe in the lead up to it. <laughs> a bit of cage fight. Wouldn't be bad. No, I agree with you. Because out of all the derbies, that was probably, has historically been the weakest one, hasn't it? But we're not advocating that it should need this to get interesting, but gee whiz, the petrol's been poured on the fire now, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I just... Uh, so, so where we go next is, so at what point does a medical report get rewritten? At what point does an integrity unit step back integrity in on something unit. that's already been done? Integrity uh, unit. There, there are laws around double jeopardy for a reason, and this breaches all of them, I Conduct think. Conduct unbecoming. So Brendan Gale, Caroline Wilson wrote the story last night. Brendan Gale mm. said no to the AFL, so the grand plan to have him as the 2IC, as the chief operating officer almost, that super portfolio in under Andrew Dillon that won't happen. This is It's a blow for headquarters, and the way that it was framed is it's yeah. got ramifications for Tasmania because it, it implies that Gail's chosen not to go to headquarters but rather in the long term to be the Tasmanian chief mm. executive. Yeah, a lot of people had him there already, Brendan Gale, but it was a thanks but no thanks for that EGM of footy job, as you say. So the, the two I see, and then I think ideally the way they want to structure is there would be a, you know, a footy manager or a head of football position underneath... Um, that Brendan Gale role as well. But obviously Tasmania looms large, Jared. They're actually up at uh, Andrew Dillon and, and a lot of the executive up at the top end at the moment for the Gama Festival, that four-day Indigenous celebration of art and music and dance and ceremony and song. They're going to be uh, up at the Tiwi Islands, I think, later on this afternoon. But clearly they need to fill these positions. So some of the names we hear would be qualified, obviously, to, to, to take that position, whether it be a Simon Garlic or an Amit Baines or the like, or Tom Harley's obviously been um, thrust forward as a, as a contender as well. But they would not be – would they – they'd be overqualified for that head of football yeah. position, wouldn't so they? So there's an interesting tiered level to it. As the job that was created for Brendan Gale was 2IC. Mm. The previous job was the EGM of yep. footy. And I don't think the EGM of footy is an advancement for a club chief executive. The 2IC mm. job is. It's certainly an advancement for a GM of footy at a club. So I'm not sure that it would be attractive to – to the three chief executives that have been spoken about. Yeah, so those names I just mentioned, perfect for the EGM of footy. And then maybe do, do we not have someone like a, a Chris Davies who's been mentioned comes over as a, you know, a head of football sort of um, office holder. It's a bit of a mess, this. We, are, as, as a footballing fraternity, we are screaming out for an EGM at AFL House. I mean, it goes back to all the umpiring situations and what we want when we want clarity on aspects of the way the game has been adjudicated, pressed forward in certain areas, and we have nobody who can take authority for those decisions. And it's been left hang for the best part of this mm. year while while Gillen's exiting stage right, mm. left. Um yeah, and we get no answers on on the areas we require them. So we've been trying to put Brendan Gale everywhere, haven't we? So now, do we assume that he said no to the AFL? That he's thinking, 
Oh, he might just stay for Richmond for for his entirety. But would he? Could you see him down at Tasmania as the CEO of the the nineteenth license? I'm just going back to is that Brad Scott's job? Uh, no. So Andrew Dillon was above Brad Scott. If you know what I mean. They, they, so both positions yeah. are vacant. Uh, they got, so they've got no yeah. one there doing no, anything. Okay. Right. So yeah. Laura Kane has yeah. been well, filling Brad Scott's job. You can't job. run a business like that. Yeah. Laura Kane's the acting head yeah. of footy. So I think I, I always felt there was a, a misnomer that if Gail took the AFL job, he would then graduate to the Tasmanian chief executive. Oh, that, that couldn't happen in my view because he would be – he would have so much privileged information whilst at some point going to build the Tasmanian team, including staff and players, that that would be, even for the AFL land, that would Pretty be big way conflict. too much yeah. conflict. But he will be privy so to a lot of information to, anyway. Yeah, but he would have had to chosen one or the other. Yeah. So as a matter of logic to your question, yeah. yes, I could see him as the... I can much more see him as the Chief Executive of Tasmania now than I could previously. Right. So the timeline too tight for him to go to the AFL. And then when do you think he would need to be in the seat under the desk down in Hobart for this particular... 2026? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a couple of years lead in. Yep. Yep. Mm. Once you're starting to do all your... And then it a little bit depends on what their pathway is going to be. It might even be a year earlier if you're starting to play competitive games in mm. 27. So, And it would obviously depend on how the Up Your Bum Brigade's going down there yeah, as well, as Jerry. whether there actually is a team. <laughs> mm. so, the stadium yeah. be built. <laughs> a year or two. Um, <laughs> it's an unusual so call. you've called them. <laughs> That's what they call themselves. <laughs> they really? I haven't heard that yet. Oh, right. I'm right. Sorry, yeah, it was a bit of an in-joke yeah, with Jared and I. A few weeks ago on Crunch Time, we had that. <laughs> bit of an in-joke. Um, the, uh, the return of Alistair Clarkson to the coaching mm. ranks. So between his letter that he wrote and then his press conference yesterday, he, he has detailed the, the pretty deep struggles that he had, which you alluded to a couple of times, Dermot, mm. as, as to whether we could see him back in the coach's role, and, and he was very much asking himself those questions. Yeah, I mean, it, the story... As it sits now, it's wonderful to see that he's capable and he feels he's capable of taking uh, the mantra. Even though that team is sitting 17th still, um, it's a high-pressure position. He will be exposed to pressure situations and which lend itself to somebody who's had a little bit of an unstable feeling about themselves in recent times. It'll it'll challenge him again. So, But he feels like he's up for it. He's been involved in watching football, being around the football for the last few weeks, there is the other aspect to are the players ready for another change of voice. So there will be, once again, a feel-good period hearing that new voice of of Alistair's. Well, it's not new to them, but it, once again, in that role. But there's a lot of chopping and changing for that list to contend with. Yep. They could use an emotional uplift late in this season, mm. couldn't they? I think that, yeah, I think it's got to that stage. Rats did incredibly well with them early on. He probably, it would have been their best win had he been able to get them over the line against Sydney at uh, at Marvel. And if not for the interchange fiasco that transpired then, that would have been wonderful for them. But that didn't eventuate. And in the end, he's, what's he got, nine or ten, ten zip. So... Thereabouts, so yeah, they need a they need a uh, a bunk up now. He yeah. looked in a good spot though, didn't he? And I think a lot can be drawn from the fact that he was so forthcoming with just how dark it had actually got for him to feel comfortable to reveal that information that he didn't watch mm. any games, he didn't watch any North Melbourne games either in the first in the few early, weeks after yeah, stepping away. Yeah. So yeah. that's understandable. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty disenfranchised, complete disengagement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had one. Oh no, I thought it was a cheeky. Cheekily, I thought to myself, he said, yeah, his comment 
when he said, yeah, when watching George Wardlaw, it just it, it made me want to re-engage with him. And I thought to myself, well, why didn't you play him in the first 10 weeks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just cheeky. But, yeah, so it's it's fantastic for Alistair that he's coming back in and he's having mm. having another crack this season. Because yeah. I, I thought it was going to last this uh, this football season. Yep. It's not an easy job, that, too, the North at the moment. It's been tough. Oh, no. He's taken the range, and I hope he he does well. You asked before, is the Richmond job a good job? (laughs) (laughs) You want to frame that around this one? Exactly right. It's a hard job. It was interesting to hear him speak about things that he'll now change permanently um, in the way that uh, he lives and the way that he coaches. So even this far into his coaching career, which is Mm. so lauded, he's learnt a few things that just aren't sustainable for himself anymore, Mm. having gone through all of this. and. And he's, he'll make his adjustments. He, one call him a chameleon, but he's capable of changing in stride. I've said this before. One of the things I think which played into his absolute strength, when he got the job at Hawthorne, the, the, the game style, the match plan he portrayed and, and put up on the board and sold to the, to the board, some of us looked at it and thought, that's fantastic. Some of us looked at it and went, that ain't working. Mm. And it didn't work. Three weeks in, he'd scrapped that and changed to another. So I think that gave him the the idea that freedom in football to change on the run is something to embrace rather than say, no, this is the way we play and we will go to our graves playing this style of footy. And he had the ability to change his style of play. And he did it several times during his tenure, even in the halcyon years of his coaching at uh, at the Hawks with their three-peat. He, he changed midstream there as well. So he's since that moment, he's had the ability to embrace change. He's one of those rare beasts who does, yeah, embrace change into his life and the way he coaches. So that's tomorrow afternoon in Hobart, uh, the game North Melbourne and Melbourne. Um where are we? Oh, we'll, uh, we won't. We've got to give a nod to Lance Franklin and then the Harry Absolutely. Himmelberg contract. So that that's part of our discussion around tonight's game. The Giants. It's a big win for the Giants. Yeah, that. and yep. the Swans. It, yeah, there's a lot riding on that. And then Geelong and Port Adelaide. Do you, do you reckon did Koshy miss the sweet spot on the re-signing of Kenny? It looked like July. They missed July. It's going to come in August. It's going to come on. Things are a bit rocky. So Third in a row. Had a nice ring to it. Spot. Mm, anyway, all cleverer than the rest of us. The yeah, news of the week. If you had assigned him then and then they lose the next three, say, see, we shouldn't have signed him. For Excuse Repco Authorised exactly Service. what they would have done. Penrite Oil and your local Repco Authorised Service. You're listening to Crunch Time. You're listening to Crunch Time. Zito Power Tools. German-designed quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. Round 21 edition of Crunch Time. We'll be looking towards today's game for the TAC. Don't use your phone illegally while driving. TAC, two flashpoints, Geelong and Port Adelaide, the Giants and the Sydney Swans. Sam Edmund, just on the... We're in a spate of re-signings at the moment, late season re-signings, which takes pieces off the board for the trade period, and they're big wins for clubs who retain their asset at this stage. Poor poor results for us, because we like the narrative come the end of the season. We like the intrigue to to linger, Jared. But GWS, when you spoke to them, they were always confident, which is saying something with Harry Himmelberg, because they came far and wide to get a guy who can play at both ends. 
their next door neighbour was the most keen of the lot, the Sydney Swans, and we know they're in the market for a key back, which is why they're right uh, up in uh, up into their next with Tom Barris. So. 27 years of age, it's a big contract, this one. Six years in the vicinity of seven, seven fifty, eight hundred thousand dollars $800,000 a year. So it's a it's a multi, multi-million dollar outlay uh, for a guy who's been a part of their academy um, and established himself as, um, as, a, as a homegrown talent in that part of the world. So this is a club that has a history, unfortunately, of you know losing big names to, to bigger clubs. But thankfully, this um, this narrative's gone the other way, and he stayed, which is a huge vote of confidence in what Adam Kingsley has been able to build. We see it on the surface with the winning streak and the like, but clearly, Harry Hilmerberg took his time, saw enough there in the decision, and it's a big win for, for GWS, who have been poached ever since they came into the competition. You've you got to take your hat off to Dave Matthews, though, and the, the administration he runs in that uh, underneath him in the football department, because when they first got those players, they were created so that some would get moved moved on and they filter yeah. into other Couldn't clubs. Couldn't keep them all. Yep. No, of course you can't. But what they've been able to do is parlay that into really good draft picks. And you thought to yourself, within six or seven years of their inception, those good draft picks will sort themselves out and they'll be back in the pack. But somehow they still keep turning up with a competitive team with stars in the team and they've parlayed the players they've let go into top picks and they've worked their way into the draft. Cadman hasn't fired yet, but he's a number one pick and they got him last year. So they've always been able to keep at the top of the tree in terms of the pecking order of the draft. So when they get someone like Harry Himmelberg, who is probably in the high, high upper echelons of the middle tier of of players in the AFL, he can go somewhere on a an inflated um, wage compared to some others because of the style of player he is, as you call it, rightfully so. He can play at both ends, 195 mm. centimetres, um, played 150-odd games. So he's right in that sweet zone for another two, three seasons. He'll get a contract which lasts a little bit more than that. So he is a massive, massive win for them. He's exactly the style of player, sorry, position in terms of the talent ladder that they've lost. They've kept their absolute stars, Toby and the likes, and they've lost this upper middle echelon player. But you need those players because as much as you say he's going to be in a great contract, he ain't on Toby's wage. He ain't on the super super turbo wages. And you need these. This is his big deal because, you know, when you get to that free agency trigger, which he is now eight seasons in, this is when you sign your big one. So um, it's good. And GWS, coming back to your point on Dave Matthews, you know, they've felt salary cap pressure for years and they sought to correct that last year as we know we were talking earlier about Taranto and Hopper so they've got that flexibility now at least it's a fair fight when they're trying to keep their players they've still got fantastic players and, and Himmelberg has really benefited in the back line from once again from the rise and rise again of Sam Taylor absolutely in in the um, mid-season period Sam so it was round 15 we did the top five various and we asked you for the top five trade scenarios no I'm trying to find I've it got too. I've got them I've got them I was going to say your filing system yeah. is yeah. better than mine Tom DeConing at five mm. resolved resolved finished Harry Himmelberg at four resolved Mason Redman at three resolved Darcy Parrish at two pending and then number one was number one what becomes mm. of the number one draft yeah, well, isn't that interesting that yeah. Because usually beyond the 
at this stage of the mm. season, there aren't recommitments and being I'll, made. They tend to go the distance yeah. from here. And I think Darcy Parrish will follow a similar script. Uh, I think that'll happen shortly. He'll sign his big contract at Essendon and stay. That's been looking positive for a long, long time. And so, yeah, Jared, that's what I said. It's going to be, you know, the trade period... Oh, hopefully not tumbleweeds. Hopefully something comes out of the comes out of the the blue and surprises us all. But um, we know there's a market for the key backs at the moment. Harry Himmelberg aside, so you're getting into your Tom Barris, you're getting into your Asava Radigali, you're getting into your Ben Mackay, and there's a number of clubs crying out for that sort of a player, be it Hawthorne, Port Adelaide, Essendon. So there should be enough in interest. But yeah, you're right. It, it's some some serious extensions and serious recommitments happening at the moment. Sellers, yep. w- what just left our game in Buddy Franklin? How will you remember? Oh, he's a freak, when, isn't he? Really, when you think about it, he started off as a skinny young man, about six foot four, and speed to burn, and and all of a sudden he's built himself a an absolute legend status at, at this stage. I mean, when you watch his highlight package, I sat there and watched it three or four times during the week, and it's just extraordinary. Mm. No one does what he does. No one's got the speed he's got. No one's got the height that he's got. He can't mark over his head. He's not. A, he doesn't mark over his head. Doesn't do that. He tries, but it just doesn't work. But he, well, he gets has it lately. He's a rover in a sense. He's a six foot four rover he's, or forward. He's, he's leads the biggest up. half forward flanker now, we've in ever the world. Seen. In the world. But you know what? What a star he is, and what yeah. a good bloke he is. He's a great person, and to me, yeah. I find him uh, just fantastic. And and he he loves the players he plays with. He's a he's a great team guy. I, I just think that uh, for mine, he's he could just do anything. I don't know what he's going to do with his life after that. But gee whiz, he's had a ball over. Is he nearly eleven hundred goals? At some what are they? One thousand? Was that thousand sixty six? Yeah, thousand sixty or something. Yeah, that's right. Because, yeah, I yeah. remember it was the same as the Norman invasion. It's huge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thousand and six is a lot of goals, isn't um, it? There's a beautiful story that I shared with uh, with Piggy Dunstall. We were at Hawthorne tra- uh, watching the training in Lance's first season. Mm. <clears throat> Somebody ran forward in a simulated match practice to kick the ball, and Jason and I are like, oh, we're a long way away from it at the moment. We've drafted these kids. Yeah, all right, <laughs> let's put some faith in them. And yeah. anyway, Lance led out. He got ignored. The ball got kicked long to David Hale. Lance turned around and ran in the same direction as the incoming ball coming over his shoulder. Trent Crowe was still playing and he came up behind David Hale and spiked the ball with a spoil and it went that bullet pace at Lance's feet who was running flat out. Somehow he took it off his shoes in one step at full flight went around the traffic and just kicked the ball another 50 metres down. The, and there's no goal or anything on there. It was only training. But we just stopped and dropped our jaws open and looked at each other. And, it, and we just said, did you see that? How can that boy be that good? And we just l- l- sort of shook our heads a little bit, raised our eyebrows and went, what have we got on our hands here? It was the one moment, and it wasn't even in a game, Sellers. No, we just I understand. Went, this bloke is insanely good. And that was at ground level. And he's six foot six. That that draft was extraordinary for, for Hawthorne. Yeah. Roughhead, Franklin, Lewis, uh, Sewell, I think, was a part of that as no, well. No, Sewell, he was a bit earlier. Yeah, Sewell, he? Re- re-signed there. So what it had happened... was a huge draft. That draft back there with Buddy, Deledio went at number one. Mm. Every club in the league was taking Brett Deledio at mm. number one. Um then Richmond thought Hawthorne, with their first pick at number two, was going to go Richard Tambling. 
Mm, it was. Hawthorne <laughs> went. Hawthorne went. Jared, Jared Roughhead, yeah. and then the dogs had committed to Ryan Griffin. Oh, and don't do it, Dan. Yeah, don't do it. Five, did he? Hey, Richard supporters don't like hearing this. Yes. Then Richard, young Richard, let's call him young Richard, mm-hmm. came out and was. Selected. It's not his fault. They, it, not his fault. Pick him. No. Yeah. yeah. So Tambley went for, and then it came to Buddy at five, and then Louis, I think, was six, seven, or six eight, seven somewhere, or somewhere in there, and they were. Wonderful, wonderful champion players for Hawthorne who added to the fabric players of Mitchell and Hodge who were already there. And that was the start of that. You know change the dynamics of the whole club, don't yeah. they, in a sense? Five players. Yeah. You know, it featured heavily in that draft, the priority pick. Boy, she was alive and well in was, that draft. There was two, yeah. There was three. Uh, oh, what's Top there? three were all priority picks. Were they? Yeah. So we talk about North Melbourne system. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just here you go, have Leeds, have Ruffy and have Ryan Griffin. Bang. Welcome aboard. Love it. So yeah. the, the Sydney Derby, which should be called Jared's Battle for the Bridge, which he's spot on. It was such a good editorial. Um the Giants and the Swarms happens without Buddy. The Giants are on a seven game winning streak. They won preposterously at the the game you forecast right at the end, Dermot, uh, earlier in the year. Yeah. And now they, you, you would sort of fancy the Giants quite heavily? Yes, yeah. Um, Sydney strike me similar to Richmond, have had found their good form. They're, they've come good, but it might get a little bit too far on them at this stage. It might just a couple more losses, they might drop away. And whereas the Giants are still in the build. So, yeah, I, th- I think they might be able to get them. I've, I've been pretty pleased with the way Sydney have fought back, but they just haven't had their best team for most of the season when they start to get... Sydney's one of those teams which, you know, some teams can win losing personnel. Sydney's struggled with the loss of personnel. They just desperately showed in their win losses. You have a look at who was out there, who wasn't, and it's just a pure reflection on who they had at their disposal. It's a must-watch tonight, I think. This is a great game. Last year it was by point or something. It was Toby kicked after the bell or something yeah. on the bell. Just on the bell. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, throwing. Yeah. Yeah. Early this year. It was yep. incredible, really. That's, uh, it'll, it'll have some... Uh, and last year it was... Some it appeal. Was, um, uh, uh, Josh Kelly. Yeah. He did it at he the stoppage. Well, he can play a bit. Well, I know he, he spends a little bit of time through the middle, but essentially <laughs> he's... I think he's... DNA, he's born as a winger, mm. and they've allowed him that freedom to, to do that with the emergence of Tom Green and and uh, some of the other lads Ward. that they were able to put through. Well, Ward's yeah, yeah. Re- resurfaced, resurfaced again. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it's allowed Kelly that little bit of time on the outside. I love Nick Haynes. He's a beauty. Down half back, and they, all, they got some. They got a pretty damn good side. All the Frankston boys have got themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? All the Frankston boys. I don't think all of them are. It's a bit the walking wounded <laughs> as Geelong and Port Adelaide yeah. meet down the highway. So for Port, they're yeah. trying to arrest a three-game losing streak and hold on to second. And the Cats are out of the eights. Yeah, and they they've are. Got, they've got quite the mountain ahead of them. Tommy's out. Hawkins is out. Who else Lutzarves is out? Is out. Yeah. But then Port have ended up great. losing four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they've lost four. Yeah. Blues beat them by fifty six. Yeah. Well, that was without seven, so they're sort of right at Oof. right at tipping point. Yeah. So Which one? Went Port? through the week feeling like Port, Can Port had miss? to be winning this game. Can they Port could miss, miss the top two. They're safely in the top four, but it's really about whether you're hosting qualifying finals or not from here. Mm. So it's a really interesting. And they're not good travellers. It's a while since they've. One down the highway. <laughs> so no Aaliyah, no Dixon. Years. Obviously Farrell's crook, Lockie Jones is yeah. uh, is out with that after that clash. Just totally changed the complexion. Yeah, but of Geelong that game. aren't going there, flash. No, they're though. not. That's just the point. So they were there. I, I 
was working on the assumption Port would win, and then that team landed, and he thought, Ooh. You couldn't throw your chips on it, either, either of these. No. But Hawkins and Aaliyah cancel each other out, don't they? And Geelong to lose Blitzars when they're already vulnerable in and around stoppage Blitzars at the moment. Blitzars is a star. Yeah. He is incredible. Interesting player. game. So yeah. who are you tipping for tyre right? Win more than twenty five uh, with more than 25 tyre brands, steer, drive, trailer, and more tyre rights. No... Trucking worries. Tyright.com.au. Ruth, get that right. That's a bit rich. <laughs> <laughs> I should have pre-read that. What about an Alistair Lynch moment there, Dan? <laughs> Lucky we didn't read it. Geelong or Port? I'm going the Cats. Geelong yeah. or Port? Cats. Okay. I think they can cover. Tyright right tips brought to you by Tyright right for best roadside tyre emergency. Call 1-800-138-168. Our Saturday preview is for the TAC. Mobile phone detection cameras are now operating. A message from the TAC. We're going to crown our SEN survivor in a few moments' time. They've outlasted both of you. Me? So the cleverest footy fan in Australia coming up. But right now, let's have a little dabble. <laughs> 